0: It's important we look at the facts. Why? Why?
1: Douglas Ross is sounding pretty scared. I
0: believe in independence.
2: And he clapped like a seal. Hello and welcome to a special edition of Planet Hollywood. I'm Paul Hutchin, political editor of The Daily Record. Now if you hear the sound of carnage outside, that's because a political earthquake has struck in Scotland. Labour got, uh, well... They absolutely hammered the SNP in the Rutherglen and Hamilton West by-election this morning. They overturned a majority of just over 5,000, with a majority of their own of 9,446. So a complete and utter rout. Joining me this morning, um, if you want to know, I'm actually in a hotel room in Hamilton, uh, after getting to my bed about 430 Joining me are Daily Record chief writer, Anna Burnside, and also the Scottish Daily Express editor, Ben Borland. So Anna, let's start with you. Um, Let's just focus on Labour first, because it was their night. Um, They won, I think, nearly 60% of the vote. There was a swing from the SNP to Labour of, I think, 20.4%. What a night for Scottish Labour.
1: A fantastic night for Scottish Labour. I think they played the campaign very well. I think they chose a very good candidate, you know, a lovely young man, well, he seems young to me, a teacher, a modern studies teacher in the constituency, very charming, very good at retail politics, a great asset on the doorstep. And um, I think they, so I think they chose very well there and so they were off to a flying start there. The SNP tried very hard to paint them as complacent and oh they think you know they're walking it and so on. That wasn't my experience. I was there a few times um speaking to people obviously following the campaign. I I can't say I've I found that from Labour. I thought that they just ran a very straightforward old school um, boots in the ground campaign I was quite surprised to see that um, posters in windows and lamp posts don't seem to be a thing for any party now so there was no sign of them but I think just in terms of getting their vote out maximizing um maximizing their candidate and their national momentum I just think they did I, I think they did that very well
2: Ben I was talking to some Labour contacts last night um, at the Count and I was just saying that I can't actually remember the last time Scottish Labour had a good result. I mean, they've been in the doldrums for so long, well over a decade. They've been the whipping boys of Scottish politics. If you go back to the 2019 European election, they came fifth. They nearly came sixth. I think they got 9% of the vote. Now they look like they're in the ascendancy, that they're back. What do you think this seismic, pivotal result um, says about Labour's general election chances in in Scotland? Um, I think it says an awful lot
0: about Labour's general election chances, both in Scotland and in the UK. Um, I've been following... I I wasn't at the count like you, Paul, so I I, I buy your... uh, uh, Bright spirit this morning, but um, I've been following it very closely since since first thing. And I think in typical fashion, I think the UK media is a bit slow to catch on here. Um, we, we all remember the previous by-elections this year, and they were treated as huge, huge news stories. Arguably, this is bigger, because it suggests that, or it confirms that, Labour is, is back in Scotland. It's on course to win 20-plus seats north of the border. And uh, for, for every Scottish seat that Labour wins, it, it minimises the number of seats needed down south. Uh, if Labour comes back in Scotland, Keir Starmer's path to Downing Street looks much, much clearer. Uh, Keir Starmer needs Scottish seats to be Prime Minister. And the fact that the, the, the UK news media hasn't caught on to how huge this is, I think, um, you know, that, that's on them. But this is, this, make no mistake, this is bigger than Uxbridge, this is bigger than Selby, this is bigger than all those other by elections, because this suggests Labour will win 20 plus, possibly 30 seats next year in Scotland. And that just, you know, that, that, that clears the path for Keir Starmer. And I, I'm sure people will recognise it eventually, but I think, I think we all know, and Keir Starmer and Anna Sawa certainly know that, that this, uh, you know, this is big. Um, Anna, Keir Starmer is going
2: to be in the constituency, I think, about 10 o'clock. Uh, he'll be leading or addressing a victory rally uh, alongside uh, Anas Sarwar and the victorious candidate Michael Shanks. I mean, in the past, I think UK Labour leaders have probably written off Scotland uh, after the referendum because, you know, really slim pickings. Do you think that summer will look at Scotland and think, uh, as Ben just outlined, that this is the path to Downing Street? If I can make big gains here, it's so much easier to topple the Tories?
1: I think they have to. I mean, it's astounded me in recent-ish years how Labour has just kind of gone, OK, N- Labour nationally have just gone, OK, that's it, busted flush, gee up. Um, that seems to me a crazy, crazy strategy. Um, and so I'm very pleased to see Labour nationally, um, UK wide, taking this seriously, realising the potential that this unlocks for them, it seems to me, these are much easier. In a lot of ways, these are much easier wins for them. You know, these are seats, a lot of seats that the the SNP history with them don't go that deep. I mean, I think this seat in particular has swung. I mean, it's changed in the past three general elections. It's maybe not 100% electorally a typical seat. I think demographically it's a very typical Scottish seat. You know, you walk down Rutherglen High Street and it's like being in so many towns in Scotland. It's got all the same features. You know, it's got a co-op. It's got kind of smallish chains. It's got the housing stock that you see throughout Scotland. It just feels to me like you could kind of... be, you know, if you weren't paying attention, you could think you were in Perth. You could think you were in so many different places in Scotland. And I think to be able to win so convincingly there is a real, real boost for them for Labour nationally. I mean, we often,
2: we, Anna, we often talk about uh, iconic Scottish by-elections, and you think about Winnie Ewing and Hamilton in the sixties, <laughs> Jim Sillars, Glasgow Governor McDonald's. in the eighties. Margaret McDonald, of course, in the 70s. Should we see this victory in, in Ruthergorn and Hamilton West in
1: this light? Is it of the same bracket, do you think? I think maybe not. I don't know. Michael Shanks may go on to do great things, maybe not in terms of him and his personality. I think just generally in a what the young people would call a vibe shift, in a in a change in, in mood, yes, I do think so. I think this is this will be looked at as um tipping point sorry to use so many horrible meeting words in in one podcast but i think it is i think it does look like it and feel a bit like a tipping point um for labour
2: yeah ben we've mentioned uh or or we we focused on the winners so far let's talk about the losers the snp i mean there's no two ways about it it was a catastrophic disastrous night for hamza yousaf's party i mean Usually in an election there's some sort of silver lining and they they seem to be clinging to the fact that turnout was so low. But Let's imagine you're an SNP strategist, as unlikely as that that may sound. How would you spin this result?
1: (laughs) Sorry.
0: (laughs) Um, I, I think the SNP strategy will be to move on as quickly as possible. It's... It, it, it's almost impossible to, to to put a positive spin on it. Um, I think that the only, as you say, the only life raft they can cling to is the low turnout. I, I heard from some Labour sources ahead of the votes that that they were very confident, but, but they felt that the, the SNP core vote was going to stay home rather than the SNP core vote was going to switch to Labour. And... Maybe that's that that that's got to be their strategy. That if, if they can assume that look, we haven't lost these voters, they just didn't vote for us. Um so, so they need to get the vote out. I think the problem there is that costs money. The the SNP are broke. I mean they're on the verge of bankruptcy. How do they um you know, how, how can they replicate a big campaign? Like they've had in, in Rutherglen, you know, they, they threw everything at this. Hamza Youssef was there a lot. All mm-hmm. the big guns from Holyrood were, were there a lot. The cabinet secretaries were out on the street delivering leaflets. You'd almost think they didn't have a, a devolved administration to run. They've spent that much time campaigning in, 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 in actually handing out, I mean this is how desperate they are. You've got I've seen photos of and and the, and the entire group are all cabinet secretaries or ministers going around knocking on doors handing out leaflets they, they don't seem to have any volunteers anymore um so how how do they how do they push a general election campaign when they're so skint and, and get this core vote out but that that that's the only silver lining which is that if they can persuade the SNP voters who stayed home to, to vote next year, they, they might stave off a wipeout. I, I don't see any other way of avoiding that. I think as well, that the problem is, and Blair McDougall made this point in the, the former Better Together chief in, in his blog that he wrote in the early hours, that this sends out the message to labour slash SNP supporters in scotland who maybe kind of waver between the two it's this sends out the message that if you want to replace the conservative government if you want keir starmer to be pm and not rishi sunak vote labour voting SNP w- will do nothing next year if you want a change of government and this just com- confirms that so it's it's a terrible night for Hobson Youssef. All, all the SNP can do is hope that something comes along soon, some, something positive rather than something incredibly negative, something comes along soon to, to shift the conversation on. Uh, I don't know what that could be. I mean, they've got the conference coming up next weekend. I, I suspect we'll be straight back into very, very quickly a war in the trenches on independence. If if Hamza Yusuf doesn't make some bold announcement and say that if you vote for the SNP, that that you know that they will actually go to the UN and say we are an independent nation, I would expect some radical announcement on independence within hours, if not days, uh, to try and take people's minds off this.
2: Anna, I mean. It's been a dismal year for the SNP. Nicola Sturgeon's abrupt shock resignation, a very bitter and divisive leadership contest that they haven't really recovered from. They're aimless when it comes to independent strategy, which is what their conference is going to be debating. The Scottish government is is struggling in the sense it has no money. And now, of course, we've got the by-election result. Do you feel like after... Over a decade of SNP dominance, that they are just on the downslope.
1: Yeah, they they feel very tired, don't they? They they. I mean, very like the Tories in a lot of ways. They're, they're in Westminster. They're just really um, running on empty. You know, you see a lot of the same scenarios. A lot of senior people leaving, and you know they're kind of phoning it in. And um, a lot of big policies that are just grinding badly along um, a lot of the big SNP flagship and controversial policies, the ferries, the duelling, the A9 and so on, they're not going to make any progress on them. They're just grinding painfully along. Um, So the the whole party just feels, um, it just feels a bit, the the government just feels a bit as if it's in its death agony. Um, I do think that even in that scenario, they had a particularly uh, tough hill to climb in this by-election because they had that national context of their um, Anna Serebrylsk or whatever, however you want to frame it, and then on top of that, they had the huge personal animus people felt towards Margaret Ferrier, which again had was a double thing because they were people were generally. You know, enraged with her breaking COVID rules, but then they were really, really furious that she stayed on as an SMP, uh, as an MP after she had lost the SNP whip. She just stayed on in the House of Commons and collected her salary. And a lot of people I spoke to in Rutherglen, and I was there several times doing this, just chatting to people. That was mentioned by lots of people as really, they, they just, their faces, you know, the contempt in their body language when they talked about that. And that's a very hard thing to overcome on the doorsteps and i think that might go some way to explaining why there weren't a lot of snp members and foot soldiers out there and they had to you know rope people in from cabinet positions to hand out leaders because that's a very you know that that makes it very difficult to get up people's fire up and say yeah we we we're, we're out fighting the good fight when you've had a when you you're fighting on the doorsteps a real double whammy of um you know, actually, very valid reasons people can present not to vote for you. Um, I think Ben's absolutely right in that. I think it was a failure of the SNP to get their vote out, and I do. Th- I know this is the SNP line, but I do th- actually think it's probably true that that's that's what the the low turnout um, tells us. And I also think the Tories. I'm, that, I'm sorry if I'm anticipating your next question, Paul, but I think the Tories losing their deposit is also a sign that, um, you know, everybody, probably everyone in Rutherglen who was interested and involved in politics and wanted to send any kind of message at this election pretty much voted Labour.
2: Yeah, actually, just on the Tories, Anna, um, 2019 election, in the same seat, the Tories nearly got 10,000, maybe it was closer to 8,000, and then Mm -hmm. this time they lost a deposit. Clearly, there was a lot of um, Conservative... I mean, that's always
1: good to see, it's always cheering.
2: Yes. Yes. Well, obviously the the daily sorry. again. Not, the the dealer record is not shedding any tears about um, the Tories losing their deposit. Clearly, a lot of Tories lent their votes to Labour um, this time around. But you'd, you'd have to think that their collapse as well is linked to the chaos in the Tory government. It's not. It's not just tactical voting, is it?
1: Um, no, probably not, and I think that again is something that, that Labour can probably take comfort from for the general election because that's that's what they're going to have to see in a lot of seats. They're going to have to see people. Um, you know, that's the that's the pattern in the red wall, isn't it? And um, which after Scotland is probably their next, you know, greatest source of winnable seats. That's what they're going to have to see people that thought the Tories had a message for them and and. Uh, something, you know, could offer them something constructive, they're going to have to come back to Labour. And and if there is any of that been um, been going on in uh, Rutherglen, I think that again is good news for Labour.
2: Just finally, Ben, just wrapping up, back to the SNP. Hums has only been in charge for about six, seven months, um, but it's been an incredibly turbulent six, seven months. And this By election is just the last thing he needed.
0: Is his leadership in trouble? Um, I think so. I mean, I think he's been in trouble since. Has he he ever been out of trouble? It was such a a narrow victory, it exposed such a a divide in the party. Kate, Kate Forbes clearly has been running a kind of shadow leadership campaign from the back benches. I, I still think, I, I don't think we'll see a leadership challenge anytime soon. I don't think Kate Forbes is quite ready for that. I don't think the party's quite ready for that. Um, I, I think also. Think, yeah. you know, let's imagine let's, let's, you know, the general election
2: takes place. Spring next year, summer next year, and the SNP lose well over twenty seats.
0: Humza oh, uh, H- Yousaf will not be the SNP leader after the next general election. That that's that I, I that's my belief. I, I think mm. those challenges within the party, if you've any sense, why would you launch a challenge now? Head it, when you've still got the general election, and. It, it, it just wouldn't make any sense. The, yeah. the the obvious thing to do is wait for Humza. Whether it's spring, whether it's autumn, unless something incredibly drastic happens, the SNP are going to have a very very poor general election, and that's when the 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 next leader makes their move. With two years to go till the Holyrood elections, you can say, look, we've tried with Humza. Let's have a fresh start. Does that mean a break with the Greens? It probably does. Do the Greens then agree to vote for the budget or or do they essentially vote down the government and we end up having a a Holyrood election? But his leadership is in desperate trouble, dire straits. He's, He's a dead man walking, if I can, you know, without straying too far into hyperbole. But no one's going to re- try and replace him until after the general election. But I mean, he might as well if it's a spring general election. He might as well book, uh, you know, Route sixty six for next summer because he'll be gone. He's toast. Mm-hmm. So it's, the morning after the next general election, um, not only does the defeated Labour or Conservative candidate uh, leader stand down, Hamza Youssef stands down, guaranteed. Put your money on it. Okay, that's great. I have to wrap up now. I'm off to the
2: the Keir Starmer event in Rutherglen and Hamilton West. Thank you to Anna and Ben again for your insights and analysis. Um, what a, a day in Scottish politics. Um, we'll be back next Thursday and I hope to see you all then. Thank you.
1: Bye.
0: It's important we look at the facts. Why?
1: Why? Douglas Ross is sounding pretty scared.
0: Because I believe in independence. And he clapped like a seal.